<laughs> What's up, everybody? It's I'ma let you finish with Court and Amy, and we have a legit. Okay, listen, kids. Legit. Legit. Okay. Legit. All, right. All of you kids want to throw around. He's an icon. She's an icon because they raised a single. No, we have a true legend. Legend. Icon. <laughs> King of rock. King of rock. There is none higher. Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah. Just everything. 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 Were everything. you a Boy Scout? Did you like, <laughs> were you a Boy Scout too? <laughs> no, my brother was though. Oh, okay, that's good enough. Okay. Daryl McDaniels, DMC from Rum DMC. Woo! The legend is blessing this messy ass show, so we must be doing well, something right, kids. Well, you know, I for some reason Daryl likes me. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Or he trusts Tracy you, to like me. Right. No, you rock and you roll. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm rolling a lot more than I'm rocking these days. There's so much to talk about with you. We got new music out there. There's a 40th anniversary concert coming up. There's 40 years of being in the game. There's right. There, you were on stage with the big 50th. Celebration of hip hop at the Grammys, which I believe aren't they doing a bigger? I think they're doing doing a bigger bigger special that's gonna air this this summer or something. This summer, and then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, will probably be some hip hop parade stuff going on too. Oh yeah, yeah, they they just hit me and said they want to do a bunch of stuff. Because you know, I don't know anything, Daryl. We're in the same room, (laughs) right? We're in the same room with each other, eating the same delicious deli from the same delicatessen, and those cookies. Because you know, the only reason I stay in the committee is for the cookies. for the cookies. For the cookies. Yeah. Um, uh, for those of you outside of New York, the Italian wedding cookie, which is genius. Um, yeah. But you know a lot more dirt because you're famous and you're a man. So tell us <laughs> what's going on because I have I, no idea. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wanted Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wanted to do a celebration of the 50th year anniversary of hip hop. So they want to do concerts. They want to do. Um, you heard it here first, kids. <laughs> yeah, they want to do a whole, whole lot. They want to bring in people and make it really, really special. I'm just saying, if for some reason there's a lane for a middle-aged white woman a year and a half, a year away from uh-huh. that half-price Metro card whose intentions are good right, and um, doesn't use the word slamming in every sentence. Right, right. I'm just saying, if you could work me into the mix, so you'll be a- there'll be a little something extra in your Christmas yeah. stocking this year. No, they, they, they said they want to do a lot. All right. Well, I, I want to do a little. So right. just a little something. <laughs> just a right. little something. The show is two blo- like ten blocks away from my house. So oh, I mean, no, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, don't yeah. they are they gonna do didn't they do it last year in Cleveland? It's not yeah, by it's your in Barclays. House anymore. It's in no it's, oh, it's gonna be in Barclays this year. It's gonna be at Barclays this year. Uh, it rotates between Barclays, Cleveland, and LA, but the Oh, this the, the induction ceremony gonna be in, in Brooklyn this year? Yes. Hip hop oh. array. Perfect oh, time wow. for the hip hop array because not a lot of rap came out of Cleveland. No, well, that's not true. But it's going to be in Brooklyn, so right. I'll be I'll be angling to write a an essay. No, Cleveland so has some legends. Cleveland has Bone Thugs and Harmony. Well, I know. Yeah, yeah. but stop Brooklyn. Right. Side with Brooklyn. Right. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Must I? I mean, it would have been amazing to do something. Um, if the um, the um, at New at Madison Square Garden though. 
No, because Madison Square Garden is not 10 blocks from my house. Uh, okay. No, but here's the thing. And I'm with you. To no. me, there's one arena in the five boroughs, and it that is, is Madison Square Garden. It's, it well, is the garden. But it's not the arena part of it. Honestly, I think also, first off, they probably got a deal. And also, for a lot of artists, seriously, they have never played Brooklyn. And that's exciting to be like, uh, and the sound is really good. And it's, um, have I mentioned? Not it? better than the garden. Have I mentioned it's 10 blocks away from my... I'm sure James That's Dolan wanted more money. I bet you it has to do with James Dolan. Let's blame James <laughs> Dolan. It well, it's also... It's harder to book a date in the garden, though. They're yeah. always booked. Yeah, That's, they always that, book. Which is why you could we could sustain having another arena a mile and a half away, essentially. Here's Amy getting up, walking right. to the arena. All right. Anyway, my logistical issues aside... How are you? Where do I'm we want to start? Where do we want to start? <laughs> Where do you want to start? Let's start with the Grammy. So what was that like? That was a moment. And from every review, that was the moment it was of the, the moment. show. They it was, it was, was the moment. Best. Yeah, they should have gave us more time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's still hip hop. But it was girl. so Don't hard to crazy. get so many people. And I, 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 me, I would have personally seated performances throughout the whole show so that the artists, you know, you want to see Rock him do a record. They should have did it like that. It's, it's just throwing us all together and See and giving Rock everybody a line and a half of a line their song. And a half. Well, seeing Rakim walk out and then it's like he's got like literally not even 16 bars, like three bars. And you're like, uh, right. that's Rakim. How often right. does he do award shows? Never. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, it was amazing. Everybody was just happy to be, oh, oh, look, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? It, I mean, it, it was cool. It's the Grammys. You know what I'm saying? I would have just loved to just go on a venue and perform and let who they're seeing, you know what I'm saying? I'm more of a intimate, real time. Cause you know, when, when, when you got, when you got award shows, we, I was talking to um, a couple of um, therapists and psychologists, award shows isn't good for people's mental health because there's people that do great works, great creativity. And it's almost like you can't come cause you're not good enough. Right. Which isn't right. true of it, right. but they take it that way. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think we should stop doing award shows. Should just do celebrations of what happened throughout the year. Right. Okay. But are <laughs> you a, are you a everybody gets a trophy person? No, not at all. all. Good. Okay. Good. No, not at all. I'm just saying that's why we should just do celebration. Celebration. You know? Well, it's so hard. I mean, and that's all the argument. Like, how do you compare a Harry Styles record against a Beyonce record against a, a Bad Bunny record? They all they have in common is that they're opening their mouth and music is coming out. It's right. It's, exactly. So you know? let's look. Give the awards out privately. Because <laughs> you know they give awards that not televised. Mm -hmm. Don't televise them awards. Let people come and rock and go home and then mention later. Oh, by the way, Beyonce got the. You know, I think that'll be it'll make it more fun. <laughs> was it was it interesting? For, I mean, because you obviously have been there since the Grammys first started acknowledging hip hop, and it, they always had you know. There's always been some schism, I and mean, they were handing out the first rap awards like in the parking lot of the Wendy's. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. I mean, that's why Will Smith boycotted when mm -hmm. he he won the first hip hop Grammy, and he, you know they said they gave it to Will because he was safe. <laughs> you know, parents <laughs> right. can understand it. You know, it wasn't PE, it wasn't the message, and all that. But um, 
I don't, I look at awards like this. I don't consider winning the award the victory. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I consider being able to be nominated as a victory in the first place. Because now I can go home. Just and, and what I mean by that, we was up for Grammys and American Music Awards before they even had rap categories. Oh, wow. In the R&B, they put you like in oh, an yeah, R&B category? Oh, yeah, they put us in the R&B, right. you know, New Edition, Whitney Houston, Luther Vandross. And Run DMC. Like <laughs> right, and Run DMC. And they didn't know what to do with us. Right. So I remember... Um, we, we was working, we was going to do, we was going to record a song with Michael Jackson. We had two meetings with him. Mm-hmm. And at the first meeting, he said, when we was nominated, there was no rap category. He mm-hmm. said, when we was nominated, we should have won. We should have won best new group. We should have won best rock collaboration. Like there was so many stuff that they could give us. They could have gave us, but they didn't give us because they didn't know what to do with these rap guys. <laughs> right. Well, wasn't Don Cornelius almost kind of famously he shy? Yeah, yeah, he completely he, hated on us. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was not a fan. He, he not a fan. Because, you know, he came from the school of, they don't make music, they use everybody else's music, and they're not singing, and they're not playing instruments. He always looked like when he had rap groups on, like he had just eaten a really bad 
fish. Like, yeah, I mean, it was fish. almost like he was so mad that he had to talk to us and let us on a show. <laughs> he was a very interesting cat. I mean, I came to, I was with um, Destiny's Child at the time, and we came uh-huh. to the you Soul Train. You didn't know Train. there was a guy in Destiny's Child, Well, Well, here's the fun part. <laughs> uh-huh. he, he wasn't happy that only two came and not three. And oh. I had, <laughs> I had, I had, the, our passes in my hand. So uh-huh. he walks up to me and he says, where's Matthew? He's not here yet. It was like, where's Beyonce? She's unable to come. And uh-huh. I realized my hand is tugging. <laughs> and I really, and he literally pulled them out. To take my, he pulled them out. My, I was wow. kind of like, sir. <laughs> wow. Sir. It was wow. very weird on the red carpet. And I was like, wow. and in my head, I just smiled because, you know, Old school, when you work for Matthew, I always uh-huh. had extra passes. So I was like, let him check it. And I just pulled the other ones out my back pocket and we were in. You know what I mean? But it was kind of like, I've heard that you were an interesting character. Yeah, he's very now I'm guy. absolutely yeah. seeing that. I had a run in with him once too. I had a run in. I was, I was at some listening session, I think for um, the four record. I think uh, that, that has. Um, uh, Rock Your Body, whatever, the body song, body, the whatever song. Uh-oh. And he's playing it, and I went, oh, um, that's Betty Wright, right? The sample. And he looks at me like how, and I'm like, uh, it's my job to know that shit. Okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I know who Betty Wright is. I'll exactly. go hide in a corner somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I heard a rumor once. I heard a rumor uh-huh. that the Beastie Boys had said, and the Beasties, you guys are always connected with them, and they were friends, that the Beasties had said they would not be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before you oh they did yeah that rumor that's why it's a rumor that they were like if you're going to induct us we're not going to go before run dmc because they credited their career to you guys yeah i mean we kind of gave them their start um we was working at chunking house of metal in New York City, wow. it was Slayer, <laughs> Slayer, Anthrax, it was Funkin' and Metal Mans, and mm-hmm. Run DMC started working there. And that led to LL, Heavy D, Beasties, I mean, but the Beasties were already there with Rick. They right. were a punk band. And um, <laughs> Slayer and Anthrax and the Beasties found out that Run DMC is working in their studio. <laughs> so they started sticking their heads in me, you know what I'm saying? It was like, this is, you know, they were huge fans of us and stuff right. like that. And it was very, um, it was very honorable and humbling for us. So, you know, one day Rick Rubin sticks his head in, hey guys. So Jay was like, come on in. <laughs> so Rick started, this is how Rick came up and do this. He just started sitting in on sessions with us. And he would say stuff like, don't sample it, play it over. Put that part in the front. Like, he just was, and we said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. So by the seventh session, he brings these three white guys in. And at this time, at this point in their careers, they were like the three students. You know, when you watch the three, boing, boing, they over in the corner doing Beastie Street, three students stuff. And Rick goes, Jay. Think these three white Jewish punk rock guys can make a hip hop album? And they looks at them. <laughs> and it, it, I'm doing this is the the beginning beasties, not the more Buddhist reserved ones. This is the beginning beastie. <laughs> the messy looks, beasties. Yeah, Jay looks over and he says, "Um, why not?" <laughs> so that led to license to ill. 
That's how it did you guys get? Why did you get, not? Did you get points on that record? I'm just no, wondering. no. What, what, well, what, what, right, what, what had happened was we had a song called "Slow and Low" that we wasn't putting on the Race in Hell album. So they was like, "Y'all not gonna use that? Could we use it?" And we was like, "Y'all really want to use it?" And we said, "Yeah." So one of the greatest lyrics in hip hop history is on. The Beastie's version of Slow and Low. On my version, I said, um, I got determination, bass and highs. I see really well because I have four eyes because I wore the glasses. Mm -hmm. On their version, and this blew everybody's mind. When we heard, we sitting there listening to when they did it over. I got determination, bass and highs. White Castle fries only come in one size. But boom That's White House of Fries only come over. And that, right it as you said that, I was sitting there thinking, "Yeah, White House Fries only do come in one side." I so never that's even thought that's <laughs> one from their first record. Before and that's a New York, Ill, that's a New York lyric if ever there was absolutely. one. Absolutely, they that that made them receive the approval from every. Body, right? You know, I remember I used to work at a punk rock club in in the Lower East Side, and we'll get back to you. But I, uh-huh. um, in 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 the eighties, like an what, underground what? punk A seven, and they were they were like these little annoying bratty kids who would come in, um, and they were like the young and useless at that point. And then they became, but that's when they did egg ray on a mojo, that kind of era. And I just always remember yeah. like going, no, I can't serve you. You can't even reach the bar. I mean, right, right. it's an yeah. illegal club, but there's illegal and and years later, years, decades, decades later, right. I'm interviewing him. I'd interview him a couple of times. And Mike D suddenly looks at me and goes, wait a minute. I know <laughs> Wait a minute. You were the bartender. Wow. And I'm like, wow, I look that good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wow. I guess. Yeah. It was you just so I mean, I think that they, I, well, you have like real, you have some love for like punk and rock too. I mean, that's why everybody always thinks rappers only listen to hip hop and it's no, a, no, no, no. Rock, rock and punk was a big foundation of it. And then we were speaking about vinyl mm-hmm. before you came on um, <laughs> in Cool Herc's crate, in Grandmaster Flash crate, in Grand Rizzatito's crate, in Red Alert's crate. It was rock records. So that's why Run DMC did Walk This Way Over. That's mm-hmm. why we did King of Rock. That's why we did Rockbox. We didn't know Walk This Way was Walk This Way Aerosmith. We right. just knew the album with the toys on it, play number four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you had, you had, you had. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because D- you didn't know the titles of the records. Because the DJs would scratch out the titles off the label, mm-hmm. so the rival DJs wouldn't see what beat you was playing. Wow, that makes that's, sense. So you would actually. have to scratch it. Uh, the DJs knew re- exactly where to put the needle. Yeah, because if you're so a DJ, you play, know your whole collection. You know like what's yeah, what and where to go. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know, you by heart. So if you play in a new beat that the other DJs ain't heard, they send in spies over to look down at the <laughs> table, right? To see what label, what record, what the album cover is. So the DJs would scratch that off. So, um, Queen, Aerosmith, Rush. Um, 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 Billy was, Squire, Billy, Billy Squire. Squire, yeah, the rock like Billy Squire's big beat in is on the level of how influential James Brown beats were to hip hop. 
So that being said, when we came into hip hop, I was a kid when I was growing up. I wasn't into soul. I wasn't into black music. And this was just because I was a kid. My mother and father were still cool. I mean, they're cool eternally. But <laughs> when I was a kid, I'm into comic books, Bugs Bunny, Brady Bunch. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm into comic books. I'm not thinking music. My brother was three years older. So him and the older kids were into the music. But my mom's and them was listening to um, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, Al Green. So I heard it in my house all the time. You know what I'm saying? But I'm a kid. I only cared about comic books. So how did you discover that you could rhyme? Where did that come from? (laughs) So all I cared about was comic books. All I used to do was read, collect, and draw, read, collect, and draw, read, collect, and draw. Do you still have them? So music was playing. No, I sold them all to get two turntables and a microphone. Ah. (laughs) And I didn't want to do it. My brother (laughs) made me do it. My brother made me do it. But, um... When I, when I was reading comic books, I brought my first comic book in kindergarten. Now, you know I can't read. It's just the cover of the Batman was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it was visual. I was like, mm-hmm. it just resonated with me. So I'm collecting these comics. I'm starting to buy comic books with my nickel allowance mm-hmm. from kindergarten. So I can't read. So by second grade, I realized I need to pay attention in school so I could understand what the hell Tony Starks is talking about. What the hell Silver Surf is doing. Galactus, Thanos, and all of that. So I became a good student because I wanted to learn to read these comic books. Now, in school, I would learn about the sun, the moon, comics, and the stars, and stuff like that. I would learn about World War II in school. But Captain America and the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer would take me there. So your imagination has a lot to do with reading. You know what I'm saying? So what had happened was um, in the 70s, growing up in Queens and in New York, there was a station, 77 WABC. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Dan Ingram. Ingram. Yep. Harry Harrison. Harry Harrison. Was that so, Cousin Brucey as well, or is he Brucey, MC? Cousin yeah, Brucey. yeah, all of those guys. All yeah. of those guys. So the reason why that's significant is ABC, yeah, ABC. Um, we had there was a black station in New York, WWRL. RL, yeah. WRL. Was, mm-hmm. Way station, up but way up the dial somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super 16 or something 16, like 16, way up the yep. dial. Um 77 WABC, they would play Slider Family Stone, they would play our all of that stuff. They would play James Brown, but they also would play Harry Chapin, Joni Mitchell, Led Zeppelin. Debbie WRL. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. No, not WRL. Oh, okay. Yeah, WRL was fucking black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soul music. But 77 WABC, they would play some black music. Oh, everything. Yeah, they would play everything. So the thing that made me gravitate to rock music was that, um, I didn't discover Superfly and Curtis Mayfield till later. But the rock guys like Fogarty and Dylan and stuff like that, the rock guys would say stuff like governments. 
and the unfortunate of presidents. So as being a little kid, I was like, oh, I know about that in social studies. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just started paying attention to the rock guy. Because, I, you know, um, 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 a lot of the soul music, you know, Marvin Gaye was a sexy love-making man mm-hmm. until he made What's Going On. But, you know, I'm a kid. I only care about that. So rock music, the majority of the rock music that I heard as a kid, I mean, you had Curtis Mayfield, you had... Um, um, Gil Scott Herring, and I, but I wasn't hearing it. So the majority of the rock music, which just mentioned things I was learning about in school. So funny. So that being said, um, I realized that, oh, I want to be a rock star. And you did. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, you, were, you guys were rock stars. Of that connection. So to answer your question, the thing that happened with rap was um, in 1979, Rappers the Light comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't care nothing about rappers alike. But the thing that made me pay attention to it was a Big Bang Hench rhyme about Superman, superheroes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, whoa, this person is talking about superheroes. Mm-hmm. So I learned rappers alike from start to finish because I was mm-hmm. a good student. I listened mm-hmm. to it three times, mm-hmm. learned it, had it down packed. And then a couple of weeks later, my brother brings home this record called Super Rapping. Now, this is all superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Rappers are like Superman rhyme. Oh, wow. They're talking about something I can relate to. Then my brother brings home um, Super Rapping by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Fire. I remember that, too. And yeah. when I heard, um, they did, on the 50th year anniversary of hip-hop, they did the signature thing that changed my life. When it was it was a party night, everybody was mm-hmm. breaking, eyes were screaming, and the bass was shaking, and it won't be long till everybody knowing that flashes off. When I heard that, I was, oh. yeah. <laughs> and then they went in, they said, oh, the thing that blew my mind was, it was very, um, it was like social studies. Because Rapper's Delight was cool, but it was more of the older disco type of radio jock voice. Hip hop, I'm the rip, I'm the disco DJ rapping man. Clap your hands. But this record said, Melly Mel said, Italian, Caucasian, Japanese, Spanish, Indian, Negro, Vietnamese, MC, disc jockeys, y'all. Fly kids for the young ladies. Introducing the crew, you got to see to believe where one, two, three, four, five MCs are Melly Mel and I rock it so well. I'm Mr. Ness because I rock the best. Raheem and all the ladies dream. I'm cowboy. I make you jump for joy. Creole, solid gold. Kid Creole, playing a role. And then he said this, dig this, where the Furious Five plus Grandmaster Flash giving you a blast of show enough class. So to prove to you all that we're second to none, we're going to make five MCs sound like one. I was like, give me a pen. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, hip hop wasn't about being in show business. It was like, oh, shoot, you can tell stories like the comic books about who you are. So it it allowed this little Catholic school kid, Daryl McDaniels, who had something to say. It gave me a way to say it. It helped you find your voice. You were like, yes. "Oh, this could be more than th- I can. I can tell stories. I can. Yes, I can exactly. actually have something." Right, to and say I don't have to have vocals as good as Freddie Mercury. Right, right. I I don't. <laughs> I I love the fact that you were making like direct though. You know, Jackson Five, ABC, one, two, three. There's math. And yeah, okay. one, two, <laughs> I mean, the greatest, the greatest <laughs> rap in history. When I go to elementary schools and talk to kids, I say the greatest rap in history. 
We've been doing it for centuries, for decades, for generations. They go, what? The ABCs. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm. You mm-hmm. remember it, and it's a rhyme. A, B, C, D, E, F. G. G. That's true. It's H- funny. Right. Right. When I think right. When and I'm it's thinking, L-M-N-O, L-M-N-O-P. Yeah. I'll be honest. When I'm thinking about what letter goes in front of what letter sometimes, I'm singing that song Me too. It, yes. to this day Me in too. my head. I'm like, E-F-G. G. Yes. G. <laughs> and, so. and when we all had to learn how to wash our hands during the pandemic, we were told to sing that song twice. Exactly. Because none of us knew how to wash our hands. So it, so it, was this music, <laughs> the music that is the soundtracks to our lives, the music that um, describes our feelings and emotions for, especially for people that can't um, talk about it themselves, the music speaks for them, but as, as um, even more deeply than representing us and speaking for us, you know, music is a vibration, it's alive. And as we were talking earlier, that's why a lot of this music nowadays sucks. There's right. no life in I'm going to have to well, because new well, artists. Well, I see well, once again. Well, it's no, different. I'm kidding. I think today the problem is it's, it's speed, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's boom, speed boom, boom, boom. and... Yeah. and is there real true artist development? And it's like, what's hot? Right. Grab one of that. And everybody's trying to make a song in yeah. two minutes and 20 seconds. It's the delivery system. We yeah. always talk yes, about that. You don't have, system. you don't have time to sit. I mean, I, you know, wrote about music for a long time. And uh-huh. I think one of the moments I kind of realized, I think I'm being aged out mm-hmm. was when it was one of these, the record is dropping at midnight. So that meant I would have to sit, stay up to midnight, which is not, it's impossible. Let's just say it's I'm impossible. It's impossible. Oh, you're, you're, look at you party. She's animal. asleep by 10. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, not even asleep, dead. Full of, but back then I could stay up to maybe 11 if I pushed it. But the point is that the record's going to drop and you're going to have to get something in. And I'm like, we're, it's now become a contest as to who can drop the surprise oh, wow. record. And it just, I understand it. But then it was like, and you have to, no, look, we could argue about the internet and iTunes, and right. stuff, but iTunes did some great stuff, but it also destroyed the exactly. idea of, of an album. Right, right. Because yeah. you could pick and choose the songs you wanted. It's nice. I hate you know, that. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to that. listen. You didn't have to listen to, I mean, albums of any genre were created in, it's one of the reasons I we always talk about why we love the last three Nas records, because those are albums. They right. go song, and there's a chronology. And, and sometimes with albums, you don't even care about the single because you discover a song on right. it right. better than the single to you. Right. And the single That's is always the, the last song the artist writes on the way to the studio. And yeah. No, it right. really is. It's like, how'd you come up with this? The record company told us we don't hear a single. You know, it's funny that you're talking <laughs> about albums because remember, with hip-hop, everything was singles. That's right. true. And it'll be completely singles. And then um, we did It's Like That Sucker Seas and it it was buzzing in the streets. Then we did Hard Times, Jam Master J. We did Jam Master J. We did the song Jam Master J to explain to people, okay, if the groups run DMC, running D, why there's three people on the stage? <laughs> so there's the whole idea of, no, we don't have a band. Jason plays records while we put, like, it was so crazy. So we did the, the Jam Master J to let people know it's Jam Master J and run DMC or run DMC and, oh, run DMC's three people. That don't make sense, but we kind of like it. Mm-hmm. So then after the first two singles, after all the singles that was out, we take it upon ourselves to, yo, we're going to do a, a rap album. And it's funny 
Because the whole industry, critics and everything, said, okay, we like you rap guys singles. And they was like, there's no way this world wants to hear a whole album of this rap stuff. We put out the self-titled Run DMC and it went gold. I I remember, I swear to all that is whatever. I remember the first time I heard um, It's Like That, I was walking down DeKalb Avenue to the wherever, the end of DeKalb Avenue, obviously. Uh And I heard it passing by in a car and I went, Oh, this, oh, this reminds me of punk rock. And I'm not saying that to be like wow. now saying, I was just like, and your record, your album may be the last album I ever bought. And that wow. was in 1983. I wow. went to Beat Street. I went down to Beat Street and I bought it. Remember really? Goldfinger? Remember Goldfinger who used to work at Beat Street? It was a DJ. There was a DJ there named Goldfinger. And I would go in oh and I'd ask him to play me records. And I would just sit there and listen to records all day. And you would discover stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Because you sure. go there for one thing, but leave out with other three other things that you was like. Listen, what's I didn't, that? We yeah, would go fun. to the Wiz on Jamaica Avenue. Because yep. that's the where Wiz. I brought it at. The Wiz on Jamaica. Yeah. Um, you know what I find interesting of, of, about you guys? It's like we see right now there's a lot of intersection between artists and art. But right now it seems like a whole Instagram-y weird moment sometimes. And everybody's thinking that's the thing to do. When right. I look back and see you guys were really, this is when New York, the artist community was a small community. And it was everybody. It was you guys. And I've seen lots of pictures with you guys like Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah. And Warhol, that whole, Basquiat, whole and yeah. What was that like for you guys to suddenly now enter in this world? And it's there's Basquiat. These are just people who are yeah, around. Yeah. Everybody was working at the same time. It, it let us know that... Um, it, we found out that music, the arts in general... We found out that it wasn't separate. You know, we when we when we if you came to New York in the eighties and you went to Danceteria and you went to the World and you went to all these clubs, it was the punk rockers, the rockers, the journalists, the poets, the designers, the writers, anybody that was creative right. was 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 the nucleus of New York City. The designers, you know, you you walk into a club, oh, shoot, Madonna just walked by the beat. Africa Man Body, Fat Fat Freddie, Blondie just walked by. Like, it was crazy. Joey Ramone, the Ramones was always, it was Lou Reed. Lou Reed made us open up for him. Whoa, 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 stop. You open for Lou Reed? We need need that story right now. Lou please. I need that right now. 1980. (laughs) No, 1984. Wow. Rockbox didn't even drop yet. And Lou Reed made us open for him um, downtown somewhere. I'll never forget that. So we was the opening act. Wow. And uh, we did It's Like That, Sucker MCs, Hard Times, Jam Master J, and we did Rockbox as a new preview record. So the funny thing about the Lou Reed show, 80% of the people was familiar with this hip-hop Run DMC. 20%, the whole show, they held their middle fingers <laughs> up at us. <laughs> no, 20% of the audience, especially the ones in the front, held their middle fingers up at us and was cursing at us. I mean, me and Run in the show, me and Run could hear them, fuck you, D. 
<laughs> Fuck you too, run. We know you hear us, right? So that was the whole show. So we had two choices. Keep going and do what we do and then leave or run off stage in the feet. So we chose to stay, right? Mm-hmm. So when we finished, we go into the dressing room, dejected. You know what I'm saying? We did the best that we could do. And the people mm-hmm. that knew what Run DMC did, they was happy. So then the stage guy comes running. Yo, you got to come back to the side of the stage. You got to hit us. We was like, what? Lou Reed is cursing out <laughs> the people in the audience that was Oh, he's cursing out. Well, Lou Reed was a famously cranky man. Yeah, you know? but he stuck up for us. So when right. we get to the side of the stage, he just basically said in that Lou Reed, now, look, dudes, if you're cursing them and mad at them, then you're going to be mad at me. And he just said this, because I was just like them in my garage beating on pots and pans trying to figure out where I'm coming from. He said, I was doing everything. I was playing everything. So if you curse enough, and it was like the father talking to the little kid. <laughs> and it was like, okay, daddy, we sorry, you know what I'm saying? But Lou Reed actually stuck up for us. Wow. Right? Yeah, I'll never I'll never forget well, that day. He Rest is the man days. that put out metal machine music, you know, torture. <laughs> yeah. Courtney, you ever heard metal machine music? No. It's it's it yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, no, it's literally like what? Like at two hours of just feedback and noise in his metal machine music. And he put it out like uh, sort of at the height of his solo career. And it was just like two, it could drive, like it could, it could end the war in Ukraine right now. Metal machine. I got to check that out. But oh, it's, it was a beautiful it, thing. Cause yeah. he understood we were just utilizing what was around us. Who was the, were there any, ever anybody that, you know, in that phase that you were really super starstruck by? In that phase, let me see. We or in general, is there anybody you've ever met that you're super? I don't know. I'm just because to to me, if I were a rapper, if I were a uh, musician, I'd be starstruck by you guys. Because- uh, well, it's crazy. Everybody that we've met, there was Michael Prince. They would give us so much praise, and we was like, like but you, you were like know? us, but you yeah. Yeah. Like, no, so, like you know what I'm saying? It was like what no what. Share when we met Share at the MTV Music Awards. They like, and the funny joke is, we didn't know if it was just because we love you, little cute rap guys. That's not going to be around in five years. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. If, we didn't know if it was sincerity or, well, you know, let's like nice little, guys. nice little rappers. That's yeah, cute. this yeah. is so cute what you're doing. You're not going to be here that long, but right. it seemed like everybody had the utmost respect for us. For for me personally, um, when I got to meet John Fogarty at a Public Enemies Rock and Roll induction. So I'm in the back room. It's um, it's Tom Morello, Chuck D, um, Tom Petty, John Fogarty. Um, who else was there? Chris Cornell. Like wow. this is funny. All of them are in the back room. So I'm there. Chuck made me come with him for his induction because he said y'all the reason why we're getting inducted. So all right, Chuck, I'll come. So I'm sitting there. But here's the beautiful, funny thing. All of these great musicians, Tom Morello, Chris Cornell, Fogarty, they all in the back room talking about how great a guitar player Prince is. They ain't talking about him being a celebrity. They Mm -hmm. talking about him. Everybody in that room was saying how incredibly gifted musician Prince. So that blew my mind. And I remember 
John Fogarty was over there. And I love Credence. I mean, I, this this on repeat in my truck right now. So I mm-hmm. walk over to him and I'm like, yo, I just want to tell you. And it was funny the way he looked at me because um, I didn't mean to say it like this. But I was like, yo, I ride around in my pickup truck. Because, you know, I'm supposed to be a rapper with gold right. and benzes and stuff like that. But I really drive a pickup truck, mm-hmm. F-150. So when I said, yo, I ride around my pickup truck, and your music is on repeat every day. So he looks at me, and it's kind of like he's thinking, is, is this guy trying to impress me by saying pickup truck? <laughs> but, you know, it, I, I said that. He gave me the signal. And then he just smiled, and he said, yo, I really love what you guys do. And then he ended with, and I love them hats. <laughs> I, like, I just got approval from John Fogarty, and it, it was right. it was just very it was just amazing how you know from Mick Mars when I met Mick Mars when I met um Tim Armstrong from Ram- Mick Mars from Motley and Tim oh, thank Armstrong you. I'm from sitting Ram- there like in yeah. my head going Mick Mars Mick Mars yeah Mick Mars from the old uh, one the all of these guys <laughs> they um Joan Jett oh I now got Joan a song Jett I'm is working like... on with Joan Jett that um, we're putting out a song together yeah you oh, and Joan Jett right now we as song. we speak yeah, yeah it'll be out soon oh, so cool. um you know she everybody was going you guys man you guys what you guys did and I'm like what well Don't I mean you when know you think of yeah but when you think about it first off musicians love music I mean, right. there are very few musicians who don't love music in period general, right. and in general and also like they can musicians can sniff out bullshit. Oh, okay. You know, and you guys, you might not have been a rap fan, people, but they knew it was not bullshit, and right. and that's an important thing. And if they're coming of a certain age, if they're in their seventies, at well, at that point they wouldn't be in their seventies. They're right. coming out of the sixties and seventies, and that was oh. a protest music. Right, right. That was so a protest relate, music era. Right. You know. Yeah, Tim Armstrong said. Punk rock had middle fingers up to the government and establishment and protests and everything. And he said when they heard hip-hop, it made them put two fingers up right. and say, we're damn right. He said yeah. hip-hop validated their intentions. But, yeah, I, I guess that's true because one of the things that we knew that what we was doing with music, like, even when Walk This Way and the Raising Hell album was out, we would still get those questions at the press conference. Excuse me, G, J, and Run, where will you be in three years? And this is even with Walk This Way Out. And I remember um, at one of the press conferences, I had my 40 ounce of all English. <laughs> and I got mad. I got angry. I was like, motherfucker, in 10 years, I'll be back here doing a fucking interview with your ass. So fast forward 10 years later, <laughs> I'm at a press conference and a, guy, a man stands up and he says, DMC. Fifteen years ago, I asked you for <laughs> the crowded room wait, and you cursed me out. And I was like, I did. He said, I just want to let you know I'm that reporter. So he was right. Wow, yeah, it was beautiful. We were, you know, Run DMC was still here. This was like, um, I would say, like probably in the '90s. Because remember, okay. by the '90s, hip hop had just Cypress Hill yeah. and Rakim and Biggie and Pac and all of that and stuff. It like was the that. sound of young America. I mean, you didn't what even have to explain yeah. it, you know? What was it like for you when you first went overseas? What was that experience to first realize, oh, this is international? Okay, yeah, this is bigger crazy. than what we thought. Well, to going to the UK, going over to London and being known. There, there was a magazine out of um, there was a magazine in the in the UK, famous one, and in Enemy, still there, yep. Yeah. Forever, I was gonna say that. So mm-hmm. getting over there, 
And what was cool about NME was you would go there for the interview and you would meet the journalist and you would go into London mm -hmm. to find a place to sit and do the interview and stuff like that. So as we went through London, the audience, the people that knew of us acknowledged us, mm -hmm. which was crazy. We did Top of the Pops and all right, of that stuff. Right. And when, when you're going into these, when you're going in, international, it, 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 look, it blew our minds to play Radio City and Apollo, James Brown, Dizzy Galipsy, you know what I'm saying, Count Basie, to see all of that history, Isaac Hayes and stuff like that. But to go over there and then see them there and then you're there with them too, mm. it was kind of like, um, it was evolutionary for us as artists, but it was very um, inspiring. So we go over to UK and, you know, getting interviewed and doing the, the TV shows, you know, you got three shows and radio and all that. But when it came time for the concerts, the concerts, the energy over there, because with hip hop, it was a little weird. As we started getting accepted as a business, that passion kind of, not from us, but from your audience, the people, not the audience, the people around you start changing. You got more mm -hmm. suits and executives around. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't feel as cool. You want, I want to hurry up and get on stage so I can get the hell out of here. Right. <laughs> but going over there, what was unique about um, going into the foreign countries and international countries, everybody from the journalists to the light man to the salmon to the drivers, they felt like they were you. If, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I do. Feel, you know what I'm saying? Don't feel like, because a lot of times when executives comes around, it takes them out the room. Well, because it becomes something different. This is like now yeah. you you realize you're a commodity. So when it they all start big, showing up, here's business. where all the business right. people yeah. come and they don't want to be there because this is the hot act and yeah. we're here. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and the sha ja 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 is happening. And as a journalist, I can guarantee you that they weren't getting paid anything so they could relate. <laughs> right. You know, we yeah. went into it for the free food and the and the music. Yeah, you know? we were, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like it, it, it was funny going international to answer the question. It was funny going to international because we thought we were different, but then you get over and you discover they're, they're part of us. You know what I'm saying? So UK was, and UK was like, because um, it was London, it felt like New York. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was a, but when we went to Japan, oh my God, the crazy thing about Japan, they would recite your lyrics word for word and not mm -hmm. even understand what they're saying. What they right. the, I mean, the pronunciation, the, it was crazy, but here's the beauty of it. When we first got off the plane in Japan and we walk out of customs into where they're here to pick you up, there's fans there. Right. And they got on the gazelles, they got on the gold, <laughs> they got on the shell tortillas, they got those on the Japanese kids. <laughs> they got on the Godfather hat, they got everything that we had with New York, right? Mm -hmm. But the ones that didn't understand English, this is the beauty of it. They would just go, run DMC. And we would look, <laughs> and without saying one word, they would just go. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> go, yeah. Right. That's communication. <laughs> Real, yeah. That is. That's just, know, a, that is an understanding of music to me has yeah. always been a feeling. That's why I'm the working feeling. in the yeah. industry. Yep. To it's me, it's like how... It comes from the inside out. And I think that that is yeah. why you see artists go all over the world and you can perform for in, a, in an arena that has 
12 to 15,000 people in it, half of them not speaking English, yep. but they feel what the you're feeling. saying. Yeah. They well, understand what you're I mean, communicating. This, yeah. I mean, the success of Bad Bunny, even though a lot of people in this country speak Spanish, I mean, that yep. has driven that home, that you can listen to something mm-hmm. and not have to know every little word. I have to ask you really? this so we can be inside baseball here, Daryl. Yep. <laughs> so since you are on the Opus Dei Illuminati nominating committee, like myself, <laughs> yeah. Um, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh-huh. and so who are you nominating? Who are you pick? Who are you voting for? When this year? Yeah, I'll show you your mine if you show me yours. <laughs> <laughs> but you first. I don't know yet. I got it. I got it. It's it's so hard for me. It's so hard oh. for me. I mean, I mean, it's, you got George Michael. You got Missy. You got. It's a huge. It's a. It's a very. This, this is, is a the first really- year. This I'm struggling stacked. this year. To me, this is the most stacked list it is. in years. There's a years. case, a really right. strong. Some years I'm like, okay, I don't see it. This year yeah. I look at everybody, I'm like, there's actually a strong case for everybody on this list. I have yes. to tell you, every year, the last couple of years, I've decided that I'm going to um, give my vote in the uh-huh. sense that I will vote for them. So I gave Courtney a vote. I gave uh, Ben Merlis oh. a vote. This year, nobody gets a vote. I need all the votes for you myself. Because I'm really, I'm hoping they give a sick because I am torn. Uh, there's one group holding, I'm t- torn between two groups. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know so what to hard. do. Uh, you know, I just want Tribe to get in. It's so hard. I want Tribe to get in, you know, like so badly. But um, what is it? Uh-huh. Do you? This is going to be a weird question because I don't. It, I don't want you to. It be something where you're going to have to be like, look at me. I'm so. I'm. You know, like egomaniac type of question. But do you feel like the uh-huh. younger younger generation of people in general, you right. know, don't give respect to anyone who's been alive for more than five minutes? Do you feel like oh, this current generation of rappers acknowledges your impact on the industry? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, they do. The right. problem is, here's the problem. The problem with the younger generation is that they only know hip hop from the recorded rap genre. Uh, okay. You know what I'm saying? They don't know. They don't know. But see, it didn't start with rappers and light. Right. They don't know that. They This younger generation only knows um, hip hop from the music industry standpoint of it. And I said, look, they don't even know vinyl. We was walking through the airport and a little kid asked my DJ, what's that? And I was like, these are records. <laughs> like some of them might know CDs, mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't know, they don't know the art form. Right. They, they know the product. They, they know, know the, the product. Right, exactly. So but like they don't us, know like the playground battles and battle rap yeah, and the underground parties. But and... for for Rundy of Z, whether it's their um, older brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, mothers and fathers, or grandmothers and grandfathers, they know tricky. They know walk this way. They know because of their parents. Right. They're the generation when, you know, when when hip-hop started to change. Like, some of the kids don't know Outkast. 
Some of the kids don't know uh, Tupac out is old school. But they don't know. I work mm, with high school crazy, and college man. students, and they literally don't. I mean, bless their hearts. They don't know anything that happened. And I'm not even kidding. Five years ago. Right. I mean, they don't, they don't, right, right. They don't know television reference because they don't absorb things the way they don't watch television. They don't listen to um. They listen to Spotify or Instagram. Right, exactly. And the idea of being an MC now, you're not even an MC now. And I don't want to sound like you you're kids, a you know, you're a rapper or you're a singer who has beats behind you. It's a very yes. different oh, right. lyrical, exactly. lyrical finesse does not matter as much as right. vibe yeah, right now. Storytelling, composition that, that don't exist. Look, it doesn't these exist. These don't even know penmanship. Oh, well, don't even. That's know. crazy they to don't me. Know yeah, don't even, that's don't really even, no. nuts to me. Yeah, that one always yeah. knocks me on my head. I'm like, you don't know no, how to write? They don't know. You don't no, know how to write cursive? Yeah, they don't know. It. They don't have it. But for us, it's like or read a clock, tell the time. Kids ago, the kids go, "Oh, that's the the tricky guys." Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandfather said. Oh, uh, God, my I uncle said. <laughs> I know. You know what I'm saying? But they don't. They don't know. Like I know. I know Grandmaster Cass. I know right. Melly. I know Cool Modi. I know Grand Wizard Theater. I know Cool Work. They don't, you know what I'm saying? And we, when we was coming up in the 80s, our, when you look at the first rappers, the first rappers are the greatest rappers, the first MCs and DJs. I'm talking about Mel and Van Bonner and all of them because they had no MCs and DJs to look up. They had no hip right. hoppers to look up to. But they were kind of laying the pavement on the road, really. Yeah. So when they did go into showbiz, this is why show business changed everything. So it's up to the artists and the community not to allow those changes to dominate. When they got in the show business, they didn't have, since they were the first hip hoppers, they didn't have hip hoppers to look up to. So when they got into show business, when you look at Flash and the Zulu Nation and Soul Sonic Force, their inspirations were the Rolling Stones, Parliament Funkadelic, and Rick James. That's why they dress like that. Stevie right. Wonder. Oh, okay, we're in show business now, so we need to do that. When me and Run came along, Russell, Run's brother, who was our manager, was like, you'll need stage wardrobes, you know, like like Earth, Wind, and Fire and mm -hmm. the Jackson 5. And you'll need stage wardrobes like, you know, Melano. So we was like, yeah, we know we do, but we ain't wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we just started coming with what, you know, like uh, the Nirvana record, Come As You Are. Right. We just started wearing what we was wearing when we was rhyming in the streets. So right. when we did that, the audience who sees us in showbiz now, they don't see celebrity. They see themselves. Bus and that's always Adidas is that's the the run DMC's significance isn't just because of the great music that we um created. It was how we represented our culture. We looked like the place exactly like where we came. We didn't come from them, and it was time to go and show, put on different suits, and change who we were. So even if you was in Beverly Hills, if you're a white kid in Beverly Hills, black kid in Compton, kid down in Florida, or um, like um, <laughs> some 41 were young white Canadian kids in 1985 who saw King of Rock and said, we got to start a band. This is what Derek and them told me. Right. They, they started some 41. I would think because of the Beasties, they said, no. <laughs> Derek wearing the Adidas. So 
whether he was white, black, Puerto Rican, Japanese, or whatever, when he saw Run DMC, when you saw Run DMJ, man, that guy Jay reminds me of my uncle. That guy Run, he's like my brother who doesn't shut up. That guy, the quiet one with the glasses, is like the kid that was in my class. So you saw representations of where you are and where you were from. Now, if we would have came out with suits and stuff like that, I think it would have had an effect on our music. Well, no, it, it was aspirational it, then. It, it becomes something it, like that. Sorry, it was impactful. Were... You could look like that. Like you right, guys right, right. came out in tracksuits and yeah. shelter, and I went out and I bought. I would go to VIM. I got my it was accessible to you. Right? I got my V my my, my tracksuit. Yes. I would come to the city. I got my Kango hat. Right. I was wearing my Kangos and I was wearing my shell top. The right. you, you could not cool. tell me I wasn't fresh. You were. You know what I, I felt like yo. Yeah. Because there, there was no, you you could dress like Elton John was dressing, mm-hmm. but it would take more work. It wasn't mm-hmm. it, was, it, it would be hard to get on the subway. I heard this, like, this interview with Noel Gallagher once, and then we want to ask you about this tour. But Noel Gallagher was saying that, uh-huh. um, you know, in the very beginning of Oasis, they were, he was writing songs for the exact himself in the sense that his audience was himself. They were right. working class kids. They were screw ups. They right. had no future and stuff. And then as soon as they became capital O Oasis and became the biggest band in England, yeah. then all of a sudden it's like the audience, they still love them, but they like, we know you're rich now. Yeah, we know, right. like you're not Noel Gallagher anymore. Like you're a really super, <laughs> you're a super guy. rock star. <laughs> you're a super, super rock star. star. Right. Let's, let's talk about this tour that you're doing. It's this summer. It's the 40th anniversary. Am, am I correct here? No, no, no. What what we're doing is right now. What's happening with Run DMC is we're working on a four part documentary. All right. Sorry. Like I in depth. Doc, like you know how the Beatles, um, one that they just you know yeah. that mm-hmm. they just four part documentary of Peacock. Oh, so great. it's going to be quality. So at the end of that, we want to do a performance to go with it. Right. So we don't have a date yet. We wanted to do it in April or mm-hmm. earlier, but the doc ain't finished it because now everybody wants to be in it. Yeah, that, <laughs> right? that, 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 everybody that had anything to do with Run DMC wants to say, yes, I was there, this and that. <laughs> so now we got to push the show back. But it, it's perfect timing, though, because we didn't when we, we started the doc idea about a year ago, mm-hmm. we forgot that it was the 50th year anniversary of hip-hop, mm-hmm. which is Run DMC's 40th year anniversary in in, in you know what I'm saying Which is so perfect. it's all it's all coming together. But me personally, what I'm doing, um, for people that want to know, when Run DMC can't be a recording touring entity without Jay, right? And the joke and the question that I asked, oh, the thing I say is this: the only way Run DMC can tour again if is the Beatles get back together. Can that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I'm right. saying? Because you need. You need George. You need, you need, need all John. four. Yeah, exactly. You need all four. And yeah, you need all three for one, from yeah. one DMC. So, you need all three. Yeah. And I understand the Beastie Boys. It's a, it's very different for the Beastie because the Beastie Boys lost the vocalists. Mm-hmm. See, me and Run, what I was going to say was, we can show up at a festival. We can do, you know, for the radio. We A couple of years ago, we did LL's um, Ball at the Barclay, the Christmas show for WBLS. It was huge. Mm-hmm. 
me and Run can show up and perform, but it's not Run DMC. Right. It's King BMC and Reverend Run, who used to be members of, you know, it's like when Paul McCartney and Ringo show up and and and, and jump in and play with Elton. Yeah, they never call them the Beatles. It's right. Paul McCartney and yes. Ringo Starr. Yes. They're so not the that, Beatles. That's the what Beatles we have, is that being said, we want to do a Run DMC 40th year celebration during the 50th year anniversary of hip hop, which includes everybody that we inspired and everybody that inspired us. Wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be one of those things. It's gonna be, I'm trying to think. It's gonna be like the last waltz oh. for the band. One of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that that's what we want to do. But I on still- me, check this out. I just dropped a song. Um me, Ice T. I know. I me yeah. and my microphone. Yeah, I was me gonna and my plug it. Daryl, I was gonna plug oh, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. What am yeah. I hello? Chuck D, Ice T and Jazzy Jeff and you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Produced by Bumpy Knuckles, one of the greatest underground lyricists in the history of the game. But he's uh, he usually raps on everybody record. He said, I cannot get on this because these are all the the gods that inspired me. Wow. And DJ Premier and Guru and stuff like that. So that record is one of the singles off an upcoming album that I got called America. I'm doing this album called America, which will show that the arts, the arts succeeds where politics and religion fails. And politics and religion, I'm not talking about spirituality. I was talking about organized religion saying, Unless you're doing what I'm doing, you're wrong. It'll fail us. Because now we coming into things we're saying, if I'm saying I'm a Democrat and a Republican, we're starting off with a beef. Why you got to come in a room and say I'm this and you're that? Just come in a room as a person who happens, you like jazz, I like funk. You like cookies and cream. We don't go in the rooms and say, well, I, the, the, the people that like cookies and cream is, is, is better than the people that vanilla ice cream. This is what we're doing with these institutions. So I want to do a, a, a song called America to show that us as creatives, whether it's writers, poets, journalists, sculptors, painters, musicians, tap dancers, actors, <laughs> playwrights, and all of that, we have the solution that can solve all the problems that exist in the world. If you go into a museum to view what's in the museum, works of art and artifacts and stuff like that, it's people from all walks of life, from all around the world, and they're together peacefully, loving the same things. So this record America, um, me, Ice-T, Chuck D, Jazzy Jeff, and Bumpy is a a, a, represent, a representation of a section of America. Mm-hmm. On the America album, I got a song with Joan Jett. Okay. On the America album, um, we debuted the song a couple of weeks ago on Ozzy's Boneyard. I got a song featuring me, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, <laughs> Mick Mars from Motley Crue, um, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, and um, Sebastian and Travis Barker on drums. Wow. We did Ram Jam's Black Betty over. Oh, I uh, love that song. Ram yeah. Jam, Black Betty, Black Betty. So imagine all that, of us doing that over. That is a NYC club. I have been dancing to that record. In Black Betty? Since, I mean, I just, I can't even remember a time where, it where I wasn't dancing to that record. So imagine how it's going to sound. Me, well, Sebastian Bach, I mean... Duff, 
Mick and Travis. Oh, Black Betty, Family and Gang. Yo, wow. it's crazy. And also on the America album, I got a song with Sammy Hager. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you, just you, like, you are the employment service <laughs> old white man. Well, you know. It, and we applaud you because old white men need work too. What's cool about them is it's like they want to do stuff. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a planned thing. At this stage in their career, at this stage in my career, this America album rep- represents the innocence in in um culture that we don't allow to be on the forefront. They they just oh can I play? You know you call, come mm-hmm. on over okay I'm coming over and you just play and you get together and you create. So artistry. I'm, I'm hoping to drop this album um probably August maybe. Okay. But I'm dropping mm-hmm. a single in April. The Black Betty single in April. Okay, and, so on top of this single that's out right now, the yeah, yeah. microphone. Okay. Right. That's out now, and then the Black Betty single is going to come, and the whole album, America, it's going to be on. Like I said, I'm in a comic book, so the album, we're doing vinyl first. Amazing. It's going to go digital, but we're doing mm-hmm. vinyl. So the vinyl is going to be, um, it's going to be an open, fold out. Because um, remember, um, how incredible albums were because it was not only the sound and the vinyl, but you also open up the album and you could read and, and learn. And you could roll weed in it. Too. My, yeah. <laughs> Get the seeds off it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. My fa- I, listen, I discovered so many artists from just being in the record store and right. being like, that's how I discovered Nina Hagen. I literally wow, yeah, was I looking Nina at, was like, fantastic. just looking at one of her album covers and I was like, I don't know what this is, but, but I'm, I'm going to buy it. this yeah. because I this looks like it. this looks, that's how, you know, Grace Jones, like from the earlier looking yeah. at, and then realizing, oh, I heard this song maybe on WBLS, yeah, 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 yeah. but the covers were like, covers this looks were... interesting. Exactly. So and I'm going to try it out. Ex- it was an experience. Yep. Album so, art. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting ready to drop right Fabulous. now. All right, Court, what do you think? I just think I wonder, being an icon, because if I was an icon, I think I would wake up in the morning and be like, I'm, I'm, e- I'm expecting <laughs> on a silver platter next to my bed some a scone and my hot chocolate right. and a bowl of right. blueberries every morning. Something so iconic. <laughs> when you look at, I would say, hip-hop now, is there anybody that you're like, you you've got that thing. I'm I'm kind of I'm liking what you have to say. I'm I'm into the whole vibe of what you're presenting and putting out into the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. <laughs> Which is pretty much us on this show. We're always like, hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, I speak to I'm a sorry. lot of DJs. I mm-hmm. speak to a lot of DJs. <laughs> that there's a lot of we're not laughing at we're just right, right, no, because, because, because the look on your face you were just kind of like, like hmm, yeah no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's nobody that makes me want to listen to all their works right all right how about another genre let's be kind <laughs> anybody well, it's, else it's just i mean no my, my cutoff period for for I mean, the white stripes are great, mm-hmm. but my, my cutoff period is is Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, um, 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 and the, the, the '90s grunge kind of is the end for me. 
Mm-hmm. Not an Oasis fan? You didn't like No, but, but see, Oasis is different. I mean, I like, there's like three songs I like of them. Oh, okay. But stuff, but, and, and they're, they're fabulous, but it's like, I could listen to Soundgarden and Audio Slave over and over and See, over. See, I'm already figuring out who you're voting for, Daryl. Right. You <laughs> Daryl, you just mentioned two of the groups. Right. So I'm already a nice try of being all secretive. And, right. right. And right. I feel so, like Chris Cornell's right. name has come up white in this conversation. Right. Soundgarden. Like, I'm like, hmm, yeah. that's, that's two of them. Okay, right. I have to, I, this is what I have to ask both of you guys. Yes. Have they told you how many people you can vote for this year? How many no, people are getting it? So you don't yet. know. No, not yet. But Daryl will not go yet. first because he's a man and he's famous. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I'm just sitting I mean, there it, getting the scraps off the table. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like. To, to, it's, five or six. It's either five or six, usually, right? Yeah, I always go with five. I always just mm. vote with the five that I feel are. Already in, but the world doesn't know it yet. <laughs> That's how I look at it, like that. You know, what I'm well, saying? God, if that were the case, then it would be the New York Dolls, MC5, and Shaka Khan, and we could just close the door. New York Dolls, MC5, yeah, MC5 should be in, That's and the, the New York Dolls. Do yeah, and, 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 and you, what you have to do is you have to, and, and what I mean by now, I know Kendrick's amazing, mm. I know J Cole is amazing. But nothing, I remember we were just having this conversation when Public Enemy put out their run of albums and songs. And then when Rebel without a pause dropped, yes, the Rutherford, don't believe the hype. Hip hop now doesn't have the song. And, and, and we kind of touched on this. Run DMC would put out an album and we could tour off that album for four years. Right. Because of the music, not because of the celebrity. Or video or image. It was the album. Right. Even if music. we didn't make no money off the album, we could mm-hmm. tour off it for four. There's no songs that do that right now because, like you said, they come out so quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, it, there's, there's not a song that made me think I was in trouble since Daddy Kane's Ain't No Half-Stepping. Mm-hmm. When I when that came out, I kicked my sound man out the car because he jokingly said, he knew I didn't have a eagle. We get off the road, it's 1988, and we get my Cadillac. I had a $50,000 sound system in my Cadillac, right? I had the mm-hmm. loudest car in Queens. And I pick <laughs> him up at his house. This is when we still lived in the hood. We driving around in fancy cars. Like they were bikes in the neighborhood, <laughs> not going nowhere, just all standing there like this. So he gets in my car, and there's no songs that has done this for me since then. And he gets in my car, and he jokingly says, "I know somebody better than Run DMC." And I'm like, "Yeah, get out of, get the hell out of here, you joke." And he puts it, "Ain't no half stepping." <laughs> I'm the big daddy came with that sample down there. Get the fuck out my car, motherfucker. <laughs> I kicked him out my car on Linden Boulevard. So he had to walk back to Hollis, and I drove around Queens listening to that. I remember when, when Public Enemy put out Rebel Without a Pause, we was going over to Europe. We was going over to UK. And it was Leo Cohen, Russell, us and the Beasties. Chuck and Hank Shockley met us at the airport. Said, you have to listen to this. We listened to that record the whole four months of the UK tour 
over mm-hmm. and over and all day. Now, that being said, J. Cole is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Kendrick is phenomenal. But when you look at the eras of hip-hop, of how, even from a big business sense, when we was doing the Race and Hell tour, it wasn't just Run DMC and everybody from Hollis. It was Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, LL Cool J by itself, and one of the greatest rap groups who make some of the best songs in the history of hip-hop, Houdini. How could you forget five minutes of funk? Freaks come up, friends, how many of us have it? Now, you come to a Run DMC tour, and everything is beautiful. Every We don't have that no more, and I don't know mm. if it's because of the business. It's partially. It's you know partially saying? because of it. And it's also it's like always we talk about this all the time. People know how the movie ends now. There's right. an end, yes. there's an end right. game that right. did not that people didn't want success, but there's an end game. There are stylists, there are marketing, yeah. there's all this stuff, and it's social media. It's more about getting hits in a negative sense like social media oh, no, hits, 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 yeah, yeah for sure yeah I, then, the magic has been taken out like i feel like when you open the curtain and say here's how the sauce is made right then everybody feels everybody feels like they know how this works yeah, yeah, and what it's yeah. supposed to be and Instead they feel like they know it all. all the different sources exist together one right. but i will um, say those last beauty. three nas records really and that's your generation that's our generation they're really this is somebody who well, almost after 30 years. Well, what's good about that, he's taking away the false narrative of hip-hop being a young person's music. Mm -hmm. We are now what rock and pop. And You don't look at Stevie Wonder and say, Stevie, you're over 50 now. You can't do that no more. So now we're starting, and this is because we, as a culture, just got to keep putting the music out. Mm -hmm. Now, rap is not, hip-hop is not a young person's music. Here's the greatness of that. It was created by young people. Right. Just like everything else. Right. True. Right. See Don Lemon? You can be in your the, in your prime. I told you. The one producer you. album. I right? will say this. The, what works with those Nas records also is he's a grown man and those are one, one producer albums. Yeah. So there's a cohesiveness that actually right. runs through all three of those That's albums. That's what exists. Yes. Because it's not it's not chasing the shiny object. Right. That's why that's why Gangstar was so great. You wasn't yep. chasing the shiny NPE. There's so many reasons why people. Yep. But when you're chasing the hit, when you know, at a, you, you can hear favorites. it. You're, you're trap or quest. Yeah. That's what the, and all of this exists now, but nobody is focusing on it. Mm-mm. Right. So you know, it's like me. I was just pretending to be the king of rock. <laughs> I'm the king of rock. I had no idea I was going to become that, and now I'm able to work with Joan Jett. I'm able right. to work with Sammy. You know what I'm saying? Well, the, I was the, Sammy Hagar. I'd be very grateful that I'm working with you. <laughs> Sammy's so, great, though. There. His voice and his... He, um, I met Sammy because I did a show, Sammy's Road Trip, and we performed a version of his Montrose's Rock Candy and it just I just started rapping, and he mm. said, you know what, Pete? And I love this spontaneity. He was like, we're going to go in the studio and make a record. I was like, really? We went in the studio and made a record. I love that. And, and the beauty about having this record, like you said, we ain't chasing a shiny object. One day when we're together, we can do it. And right. those people that happen to be there at that moment will be there to experience. But that's the art, and that's where you yes. go. Like, listen, I always say we're calling too many people artists. 
There yeah. are artists. Like way too and then there are artists. singers and they're rappers. Right. And there's nothing wrong with being a singer. There's nothing oh, no, wrong with being a rapper. Yeah, like but there are true people who are artists who artists. do it absolutely for the art. They will work yeah. with anyone. They will be like, what can we create? And they'll be able, see all they'll be able to do it. The, the scary thing about trying to make hits is you might not make another hit. Nope. And then you're over because that was your only destination. Like somebody should have told Michael Jackson... I wanted to tell him, but I didn't think it was my place. Michael, you sold 40 million Thriller albums. Mm -hmm. Like, right? Something like 42, probably 44 now. Somebody mm -hmm. should have sat Michael down and said, Michael, you sold 40. And, and just said this, you probably will never do that again, but just go be Michael. Right. You know what I'm saying? Don't make excuses for, like, we knew that we're not going to make another Raise in Hell. It's made already, but I can go do that forever. Yep. Right. It's not about the album. Didn't do, you know what I'm saying? So what we have to do now and what Nas is doing is he's creating that lane where now Sting can be Sting, who was still the Sting from the police. When Paul McCartney left the Beatles, he started Paul McCartney and Wayne's. So for a rapper who started young, there's still a life for us. So yeah. for me, what Nas is doing is creating a, like, like Run DMC opened the door for everybody. We opened the door Absolutely. for everybody after us and also for everybody before us. Because when we first came out, Flash and them didn't like us. Because mm. it was like, who are these kids from suburban, we from Queens, <laughs> we ain't from Harlem. Right. The, bro, we from the Queens. We got backyards and dogs, and we go to Catholic school. <laughs> so it was like, who are these suburban kids with all of this attitude? They didn't like us at first. And I remember Kaz and Mel said this: it wasn't only the way you your the, it, it, it wasn't only what you were saying and doing. It was the way you were doing it, folding it all like we had all of this attitude. Mm -hmm. But as they started hearing our Very Farmers Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. As we started as they started hearing our interviews, it was because the tapes, the live performances of the boys and girls from the Bronx, Harlem, and Manhattan were coming into Queens and selling like albums sell today. So your music came in the Hollis, your music came in the Linden, your music came in the Farmer's Boulevard, and we did this. So all we wanted from y'all to say was, yo, that was good. And when they started seeing that, we were a young class of people under them. But it's, it's almost like when you sit down with Keith Richards and Mick or Joe Perry and Steven Tyler, and you do an interview with them about um, Aerosmith or the Rolling Stones, they're going to talk about the black blues artists that influenced them. They like, always well, do. That's it what turns into, and that's do. the beauty of it. That's what they started seeing about us. And like you said earlier, Amy, the kids now don't take it upon themselves. Like, if we're going to sample this record, we're going to read the liner notes and see who this person was. They have a computer in their pocket and they never use they it. They never use it. Yep. I tell kids every, and I said, y'all have every record ever made in the history of the world. You have in all this pocket. information and you don't use it. So the beautiful thing about us as, as artists, I think, um, Court, there was a reason why when we went into, when we came from Queens and went into um, the danceteria, and it was all of these arts in the same place. Hmm. 
there was a reason why that was happening because we were individuals all actually doing the same thing. Right. Nowadays, when people look at hip hop, everybody wants to be the rapper. Right. All of these little kids want to be the rapper. They don't see the other opportunities there. Well, everybody um, wants to shine. They want to have it. Yes. They want to be an influencer. I just wanted to point out that I believe that today we've made history because all three of us were born in Queens. Were you born in Queens, Courtney? No, I was born in Brooklyn. I'm giving you Queens. All three <laughs> but of you us lived were, in Queens, though. You I, lived in I, Queens. I was born in Brooklyn, then I went to, I moved to Queens right before the first grade. So I did all, all right. my Me too. Well, I, I was born in Brooklyn, too. Yeah. I was a month yeah. old when I moved to Queens, though. All right. I was born Then I went to Catholic school. Like you, Catholic school in Queens. Front yard, did you guys go to the, the same school? Wait a minute. Well, I, went to, I went to St. Pius the Tenth. Oh, I know St. Pius. And Rosedale. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, Catholic boys do good. Catholic do exactly. But <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted to say. We have all so much in common. Mm-hmm. We all have so much in common, and that's the beauty of the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying the graffiti writer, the break dancer, the MC, and the DJ. Hip-hop said to us, what do you want to do? I want to do music. I can't do music. That's okay. What do you want to do? Okay, I'll write some poetry. I can't do music. I can't write. What do you want to do? Well, when I hear that music, I want to spin on my head. Okay, get some cardboard, spin on your head. Mm. We don't do none of it. We have all this art in us. So we're going to put on masks, create identities for ourselves. Now it's like, what do you want to do? I want to be a star. Okay, fine. That's it. Right. When the real stars were those boys and girls and all the people just doing it, because they can. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and I, know, I know what you mean by saying artists really don't exist no more. There's a lot of us. But from an entertainment standpoint, because the entertainment business will let people that can't do the thing do it. That's what mm-hmm. blows my mind. Oh, we'd have to bring you back for another five hours for that one. I mean, yeah, don't even get me started on the commercialization or something. Oh, we yes. have an image. This works. Put him in with this producer. Yeah. Or, you have, or you have companies that are not music companies. Well, oh, that's, music well that's the right. crazy part. Yes. Now. And you now we've got non-music these, people. We've got these nameless, faceless sort of like hedge funny situ- capital investment yes. firms right. buying music catalogs, just to find ways to sell it for commercials and things. And just they know Back, nothing about music, right. care Back, nothing about music. Right. And we we've watched we've watched all of these things merge, and mm-hmm. it's just I think. No, and I think what happens is the, that the consumer and the fans get the short end of the stick. Yeah, oh, they really totally do. I sure. mean, say what you will. Back in the day, you knew that the people at Virgin and Atlantic and Warner Bros. Those were music people. They were right. founded by people and the early hip hop records. All those all guys, Adio, Adio Lachlan and Corey and all those yes. guys. They were mute. They grew up with it. Exactly. Their dads were music people. Exactly. You know. And now it's just like some guy who's making an investment because you know tech is failing or something exactly. like that. Uh, now I'm depressed. <laughs> well, don't be depressed. I think now what's there's always hope happening. There's always hope. Uh, yeah, there's always hope, and I think now you're the hope. It's just, you're us, the hope, it's just us. Well, it's just all of us to continue to have dialogue about it. Mm-hmm. It's time for the um, now. At this point, now you can see, you know, because you have Bonnaroo, you have Coachella. We're at a point now where we can have a three day all hip hop festival that starts with Cool Heart. We're at that point right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's up to us. It's up to me, Chuck, and Eminem to go into Coca-Cola together and say, Coke, we need you to write this, finance this, and do this. Because it's not going to be drugs and shooting and fighting and this hood against that hood. Hip-hop is not at a point where 
You can bring your family because De La Soul, Run DMC's oh. music, Tribe Called yeah. Crest music, we never was profane and derived. We would talk about the issues and the things, but we would never allow it to exist in the walls where we were at. Mm. Yeah. You know, the message was, here's reality, Planet Rock was, but this is what it could be. We always had a message and a vision. Now, nobody's focusing on the message with the vision. They're releasing all of this stuff and placing it there. So the little kid sitting there doesn't think, I could be as creative as Tretch and Naughty by Nature and write a song about sex without using a, a profane word. Right. It's brilliant what these hip hoppers was in, but now it's shoot, shoot, kill, murder, murder, right in your face. So a little kid is thinking, I have to do that to be successful. Right. And the whole thing with hip hop is, no, you don't. You can do it this way and stop a mud hole like flavor. Stop a mud hole in your asses mm-hmm. <laughs> by just being you. Yeah. And doing something different, being creative. Like, I, my whole thing was, yo, nobody's making rock records. So you said this, Amy. Rockbox is Run DMC's poor attempt to remake Billy Squire's Big Beat. <laughs> well, I didn't say poor attempt. You said, because your video was hell of a lot better oh, than yeah, any yeah, Billy yeah, Squire yeah. video. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. picture. Well, I mean, that- once we made the Rockbox thing, we said we have to give it and, you know, it had a lot to do with the directors that was working with us. Yeah. Like the director, John Small, for Walk This Way. Um, I traveled the globe, Africa, Asia, Europe. Everybody say this. And his was a crazy thing. Since 83 to 2023, everywhere I go, people always say this. When Steven Tyler took the mic stand and knocked down the wall that was separating y'all, that didn't just happen in a video. That really happened in the world. That's the power that we have. And if, if we could do that, we need to walk this way that's going to help heal what's going on. And shit. With all the violence and the disrespect and stuff, these kids thinking they got to be disrespectful, violent, and bout about it just to be successful in the hip-hop. When none of the kids is coming in trying to be trying to do something that Tribe didn't think of yet. See, I always tell kids, can you think of something that Tribe and Daylight didn't well, do I yet? Well, I will, I will, and I'm not a fan, but, I mean, there is some interesting stuff going on oh, with, like, Little sure. Yachty and, and Little... Yeah, there yeah, is yeah. some kind of... We- There's a weirdness in hip-hop right yes. now, which is sort of fun. Right. Um, if but you're I, uh, a kid well, who hasn't seen something weird before, yeah. but I, I hear yeah, what you're all saying. The kids, but I'm saying we need to use that weirdness to address the issues. Yeah, that's because one of the things that yeah. we was never preachy, but we all. Um, but you were talking about what was going on. Yes, that's the thing. in each unique way, everybody right. was. Every, look, we wasn't in, in front of your face. We were a lot of us wasn't ex clan public enemy and carrots one. But if you listen to Tribe, if you listen to Run, if you listen to Rock Kim, you listen to Daddy King. We addressed the week weekly. We addressed the issues that was affecting us. Now it seems like all of the superstars in hip hop stay away from that. We, 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 you don't see none of these guys now in a generation where, you know, um, when Mac Miller died, I was hurt. That was a mm-hmm. so yeah. underrated. In Juice World, when yeah. it, in our generation, all the records for the next three months would be about ODing and shooting. Nobody. Right. What we're saying is this: the OGs ain't mad at what the young G's are doing. Mm-hmm. 
us old heads are mad at what they're not doing. Not doing, right. And that's the hurtful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not making self-destruction. And here's the other thing. We always, if you listen to us talk, and they ain't got to. But we see that they have a lack of responsibility. I heard Karis once say in an interview, and I never forgot that. My first responsibility is to that audience. Then we could talk about my deal and my money. My first responsibility on this mic is to that audience. So what I'm saying, when Mac and Juice and Little Pump and all these guys are dying, these guys now, the dominant, I don't want to say no names because they, they get too personal. Yeah, right? yeah everybody gets upset. We know, we, know, we, know, we know who you're talking about. Yes. When, every <laughs> instant, when PMV got shot in L.A. at Roscoe's, mm -hmm. The guys who are at the forefront of the, the, the visuals, the radio play, this and that, every record for the next year should be about these issues. But yeah. this is what I say. Hip-hop is punks now. They're soft because they're scared to take a stand for their people. We it wasn't. Was, it we was made, weird. You know, I'm proud to be yeah. black, y'all. Yeah. And that's a fact, yo. We bought, um, um, Ice-T said, Run DMC made positivity gangster. Made these gangsters and the pushers and the pimps know we don't we could do something else. And even if you didn't rap, it seems like everybody's using rap as the escapism now over athletics. But there's so many people. I'm a doctor because of hip hop. I'm a I'm a CEO because of I'm a director because of hip hop. I'm a designer. I'm a dancer because of this. Uh, everybody now. I'm a rapper because of hip hop. I'm a rap. There's no diversity. We, we're not. We're not um, leaking into other aspects of our community to have an evolution. Hip hop used to do this every generation. Now it's just doing this. Right. Everybody's well, doing well, it. Well, now, it only now it's about that. money. But now it's uh, money. It's like everybody. Now money. it's every, now it's money, right? Well, which everybody is okay. Like, I'll always say it's that. okay to make money. Yes. I'm never against but people making you gotta money. Got to be responsible. Responsibility is what what's like anything that is sacred or holy to a community or a culture or mm -hmm. a nation or race of people will become diluted, polluted, and destroyed by commercialism. Yep. The only way it won't if we and the people stand up for it. Right. And that's what we have to, that's why we got to have dialogue like this. That's why we got to have dialogue. We have to have action. We have to have creativity. And for me to defeat Instagram, <laughs> I don't have $500 billion. Mm -hmm. But for me to defeat Instagram is presence, showing up. People say, D, keep doing what you're doing. I've had this, this agenda since the day one I came into the game. I didn't right. let the commercialization of it dilute, pollute, and destroy me. Right. So now the cool thing is this. These kids may not know Run DMC, King of Rock, Walk This Way. But I'm in with a third grade class. This blew my mind. Hmm. I go, this speech is my recital. I think the whole third grade class, I think is very. So to them, I'm not run DMC. My Adidas walk this way. Mm -hmm. I'm DMC, the It's Tricky TikTok man. Wow. So I have a connection <laughs> with them. Right, right. But here's what's cool. They go home now and go, Mommy, Daddy, some man named DMC can Huh? What? So the parents <laughs> right. call the principal. Right. Why, did, mm -hmm. why did you tell me I yes. would have come to school? No, the parents call the principal and say, the next time DMC comes, you invite. 
See, we're bringing people together. Yeah. I love so that. There's no, and yeah, and that's because I put out a children's book a year ago, right? Called Daryl's Dream, which is mm. me in the third grade. I just want to say my poem. <laughs> and the bully say for that for my grandson. <laughs> right. So it's for me. It's all about connecting the generations. Uh, this is another thing I want to talk to you about. You guys had amazing album art. How important was that to you guys? When I look back on yep. the catalog, I'm like, their covers were all really this like uh-huh. pretty iconic stuff here. So it was like, well, how, you how big collect a deal vinyl. Yeah, it's the yeah. most important thing to the, the that that was a significant part of being a recording artist, right? Because the album artwork. Mm-hmm. It was it was part of the it was a three D experience sight mm-hmm. sound touch and feel mm-hmm. so we knew that we got to do what Stevie would do we knew we had to do what Sergeant Peppers would do we knew we had to do what the Ohio players or Earth Wind and Fire would do so that was our inspiration it was that that was part of it it wasn't about it wasn't about just getting Soul Train and American Bandstand was cool we grew up watching that. Mm-hmm. But when that wasn't on TV, what did you have? You had the album. Now, I do have to ask you this. What was that like meeting Dick Clark and going on American Bastard? All right. <laughs> Dick Clark was, number one, he knew. He knew the records that we were performing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Don Cornelius. He comes mm-hmm. into work, I don't want to do this, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> right. Dick Clark knew. There, there's a famous picture of with Dick Clark with the Run DMC hat on with the arms folded. <laughs> so the beauty about Dick Clark was he had a respect because he was educated on what this hip hop was doing. Right. When he first heard about hip hop on records, he literally went back and said, like when we met him, it was like, it's very interesting. He didn't know why that Cool Herc would do what he would do. So he said, mm-hmm. like, oh, sure. So he had a respect, you know what I'm saying? And I think even if it was just for him, so he could look good, at least he knew. Right. So we met Dick Clark. He was generally, he wasn't like Don. He was appreciative to have maybe deep down inside somewhere. He was like, this is the same way rock and roll started. So Mm -hmm. he treated Dick Clark, treated us like rock stars. I love that. In the audience, you know, and it, it was funny because, you know, most of Randy MC's music was being passed around the United States mm-hmm. by somebody from New York. So this kid from the New York, Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn, Harlem, um, Staten Island would go away to the Army. And he would bring his records. And he would bring his records with him. And the kids would hear it because this this is when metal was separate and the Mm -hmm. hair bands were separate. So one guy in the barracks or at the at the inside the college would have a tape from New York. And now all the kids is listening to that. So a lot of those kids, there was a lot of people in Beverly Hills that got exposed to Run DMC in the 80s. And also in, in, in Los Angeles in the 80s, remember. It was an all rap station called K Day, and it was a jock called Greg uh, Mac. Greg Mac. Yeah, I remember. Remember that. him? So yeah. he was getting all the music from New York directly. That's why Ice Cube and Dre and them—they had their own style, but 
you know, Ice Cube says it in our documentary. We didn't like Adidas, but we had to get them because of Red BMC. <laughs> right. So people like Cube and Dre and, and um, um, Scarface and them down in Houston and all the people in New Orleans, they was getting this music from <clears throat> New York. And they were paying attention to it, listening to it, and studying it. So um, when, when we got on American Bandstand, I would say the majority of the, the um, this was 85 now, the majority of the audience knew about Run DMC's first record, Rockbox. Right. And they knew it's like that, and they knew Sucker MCs. But now well, you'd we- been in, on, You'd been on MTV at that point, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. So we were in living rooms now by, by, by Dick Clark bringing us on American Bandstand it, it, you know, because most people say, shouldn't they just be on Soul Train because we were black? Right. But Big Dick Clark saw us as this is some new music. But I will say that speaking for all white people, as I like to do, <laughs> um, you can be the well, not across the board, but I mean, rate even the most racist of person. It, it's like music and sports is where they'll go. All right, I don't want them yeah. living next door to me, but I'll listen to the music. I'll go to the you game. Yeah. I'll go to the game, but yeah. just don't marry my daughter. Exactly. Uh, you know, so yeah. there is an acceptance For of sure. entertainment of entertainment at the end of the day, as long as you're not saying something that is going to offend their poor little sensibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're hundred percent right. Yep. Somebody you just, know, just don't about say that. gay. You know, yep, but it's exactly. Like, <laughs> um, Court, what do you got? Well. All I want to say is... Oh, my God, Daryl. Thank you. <laughs> thank you That's what so I want to say. I'm just... I, I'm like, I'm. if I didn't have to go to work and eat and go to the bathroom <laughs> and other things, I would stay here yeah. and talk to you all day. I, I, I don't even yeah. think you understand. Like, Amy and I talk about this all the time. I'm not the big hip-hop guy on the show. I'm the one who's uh-huh. dance music. My first couple was the, the Garage. I was always that. Wow. But there were certain hip-hop acts and people who I love. Run DMC are heroes to me. That is like Queens. Thank you. You inform. I was never one of those people. I I tried to dress. I tried to dress like y'all, and I Uh thought I was Madonna. I probably had a better. I probably had a better result dressing like y'all than when I was walking around with the black rubber braces. I'm dealing with both arms, thinking I was Madonna. And he has aged much better looking at (laughs) you the way I dressed. I want to thank you so much for coming on here and blessing us because you truly listen. I I think calling people legends and stuff, people do that way too easy. But you got you you truly are, and you've inspired so many people, and you continue to inspire so many people. Well, thank you. And I yeah. love hearing you talk about this new art coming, and I'm very excited. I am really excited to hear this new Black Betty. Oh, that's yeah. Just, yeah. I feel yeah. like... They say the name of it, they want to hear it. I know. No, that, you have to let because us you, let us, you say yeah. that, and it's like, oh... I need that in my life. Absolutely, yes, yes I do. Tell Tracy yes, to give you a, 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 a first. I'll talk to Tracy. Yeah, yeah and she'll let you hear plus, it. I am also very glad that you allowed me to basically <laughs> attack you at the Hall of Fame meeting and demand that you do this. Well, I was like, um, um, I was watching. I forgot what show I was watching. Um, oh, it was a show on Netflix. Oh, what show was it recently? Um, not not um not the Last of Us. It, it was some show. I, I watched all of these um monster vampire shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was watching one show and they said legend. People don't understand. It's just story. 
So when you call someone a legend, people that say somebody's legendary, the legend is the whole story. It's the people whole thing. People don't know that they're part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know what's really funny you say that? Because I yeah. watch tons of like crime shows and stuff, yeah. and I've been watching this series, which is an old series. And they're about spies, uh-huh. um, the MI5. And when they're changing their identities, they go, what's my legend? Yeah, see? And that's their new identity. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And um, I remember I was watching this other show called um, Discovery of Witches, which is amazing. It's the vampires and the werewolves and the witches and the wolves. See, I thought you were going to say you were watching Netflix and you're watching a vampire show and it reminded me, you of me. And then I was going to get very upset. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. And, um, they're all at war. witch. Right, right. No, but the witch, the thing, it was beautiful because the, 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 they're all at war. And the legend has it that the vampire is going to meet the witch and they're going to come together and then the war is going to stop and everybody's going to see that we're not really different and all. But one of the powerful moments of, and I talk to kids about this, um, the, the young witch who was going to be one of the saviors, the savior of everything, the head witch knew that this was her, but she didn't believe it. So they put her in a room with the other witches and her task was to... Um, make the candle light without using a match. So the young girl was trying to do it, and she got frustrated. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just in that. And then the head witch, the, the young girl said, I'm not magical. I don't have the powers. And the head witch, which was an older right lady, it was the coolest thing ever. That's she me. said, honey, she said, the magic isn't, the power isn't in the spells and the potions and the stuff. She said, all of the stuff that we think, you know, when they start doing it. She said, honey, the magic is the desire to see it happen. Oh, and that's a beautiful way of taking oh, it. I mean, yes, and there, we go. And, and there we go. <laughs> Young, and that's there why, we go. That's the why you made the happen. That's why you made the big bucks writing rhymes. And, uh, <laughs> right. You know, I'm just, just sitting here being cute. Right. All right. Daryl. Thank Courtney, you so much, Court. Courtney here. Thank you. Thank you. Spiel, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you guys, know what? I'll come back on when the album come out because I know you're oh, please. Yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And we were holding you to it. So, guys, you know what it is. Me and my microphone is out right now on all of the streaming platforms, and you can click it on YouTube. It's all there. Daryl's music is there. Look out for Black Betty in April. Look out for an album this summer and look out for the Run DMC Peacock documentary, which yes. is going to be about four episodes, Dallas. Yes. At some point this year. Look out. I mean, listen, I feel like we're probably going to see you at the Grammys 50th <laughs> with the, the hip hop show that they're putting oh, on. Because sure. there's, there's no sure. way they can do that without you guys. Sure. And I want to say, Thank you for representing Queens. Yes, Thank you. Like, I'm serious. Like, you guys representing Queens and made us all really, 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 really proud. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I remember that whole time. It was just like, Run DMC was it. It was, (laughs) you guys were just That's what Michael Jackson said. (laughs) You guys, you were it. It was just like, oh, and then when a new album would be coming, we'd all be so excited and just be crazy. So, guys, you know what it is. Leave a message, leave a review, follow us on Instagram at I'ma Let You Finish NY. Follow us on Facebook at I'ma Let You Finish. On TikTok, I'ma Let You Finish Podcast. Tell a friend, leave a rating, call your mother, send us some McDonald's, no brown liquor, and only good weed. We'll see you next week. Not for me, not for me. Thank you. (laughs) 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.